This is the Black Hall Podcast with Ryan Millsap. Georgia has film and television production. It also has the digital gaming business. Let's face it, Georgia is redefining what success looks like in the world of entertainment. Ryan Millsap has seen it all firsthand. The real estate entrepreneur recognized opportunity and founded Black Hall Studios in Atlanta, creating one of the country's leading movie studios. But that was yesterday. Like all great entrepreneurs, wanderlust sets in. Ryan's next foray into the entertainment business could change the landscape in film and television. Nietzsche said, in heaven, all the interesting people are missing. You'll find a lot of them on the Black Hall Podcast with Ryan Millsap. Welcome. I'm Ryan Millsap, and this is the Black Hall Podcast. Today, I'm at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl offices in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'll be talking with some incredible folks. Why am I here? Because Atlanta takes its sports seriously, and it also takes its health care seriously. As home to the CDC, CARE, Habitat for Humanity, the American Cancer Society, and many other health-focused nonprofits, Atlanta is always in the lead. Atlanta is also in the heartland of the Southeastern Conference, which means that we love our football. A city with a heart, Atlantans are famous for writing checks and opening their wallets. Put it all together, and you've got Big Game Ball and the National Down Syndrome Congress. For more information, go to our Instagram page at Black Hall Podcast or head to the National Down Syndrome Congress website. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Ryan Millsap. Welcome to the Black Hall Podcast. Let's welcome Gary Stoken, CEO and president of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Glad you're here. Gary's been the Bull CEO since 1998, and through his leadership, the Peach Bowl has generated an economic impact of $1.2 billion. That's some real money. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and interesting enough, the uh, economic impact has been huge for the city and the state, particularly now with the hospitality industry going through the pandemic you know, for us to bring in the two kickoff games that we will this year and the bowl game, uh, we'll do over $100 million this year in economic impact, which probably translates to about $6, 7000000 million in, in state sales tax, which goes right into the pocket of the city and the state, right? But, um, you know, more importantly, to help the restaurants, the hotels, the, you know, the hospitality industry during this time is really, really important. They've struggled the last couple of years. And to think about Atlanta being the fourth largest convention town in the country behind Las Vegas, Chicago, and Orlando, and four of the top six conventions in this town on an annual basis are college football games. Our two Chick-fil-A kickoff games, our Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and the SEC Championship. So that's how important sports are to this city and the hospitality industry but more importantly, football. And so that's why a lot of the media have called Atlanta the capital of college football. Well, with the College Football Hall of Fame being here. That's another added uh, dimension, you know, when you talk about the success of Georgia and Georgia Tech football, when you talk about the College Football Hall of Fame. uh, We are fourth, the state of Georgia is fourth in the number of kids that matriculate on college football scholarships, only behind Texas, Florida, and California. Those three states are huge states we're a small state compared to them, but to be fourth and close to taking over California for number three, that's how important you know high school and college football are uh, to the country. 
Well, and the Peach Bowl seems like it gets elevated every year, becoming more and more important. Tell me some of that history. Like, you know, where, what, what's that trajectory? When did you get Chick-fil-A involved? You know, yeah, we've been, we've been really blessed. We're, uh, unlike most bowl games, we're the ninth oldest bowl game in the country. Uh, most bowls like the Rose, the Sugar, the Orange, the Cotton, the big names, they were built for tourism, to bring people during the holidays to their, their cities. Uh, we were built differently. We were built to give back. We were built on charity. Uh, the Lions Lighthouse created the Peach Bowl to give money back to the Lions Lighthouse in 1968. And so it's a big part of our mission. Um, I came here in 1998, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, Chick-fil-A signed on in 1997 to be the title sponsor of the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. And now they are the longest continuous sponsor of a college bowl game in the history of college football. So they've been a great partner for us. They, at the time they signed on, were really just a southeastern, we don't think of it now as southeastern, but they went from basically Virginia down to Florida and over to Texas which really outlined the ACC and the SEC who we had contracts with to play in our games. We've now built the thing to be a national game where this year the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl will host number one against number four or number two against number three. And so we're a national brand. And I still remember Dan Cathy telling me early on in, in the early 2000s, he went out to California to start to look at California developing out there. And he was in San Diego and a, and a guy... He, uh, he met a developer, and the developer said, I remember, I know who you guys are. You're the guys that have that football game in Atlanta, right? So now you would go out and say Chick-fil-A. They probably wouldn't say that. They'd know Chick-fil-A for its food. But back then in California, they didn't know Chick-fil-A food, uh, but they knew us from the bowl game. So it was a great partnership to start back then, and, and we've been, uh, we meet monthly, and we say, okay, when we start the meeting, what can we do for you? And they say, what can we do for you? And that's the kind of partnership you want. As I tell people, they have great food, but uh, their people are even better. Well, I, I was with Dan yesterday, in fact, uh, down at Trillith, that he, you know, the beautiful city right, he's right, built yeah. and, the, and, the, and the beautiful movie studios that he's built. And we were talking about this culture, culture aspect of, you know, they take great pride, obviously, in their product and mm -hmm. they make a great product, but they take even greater pride in their service in their uh, culture of service, in that willingness. The, the first thing they always want the customer to feel is we're here to help, we're here to serve. Exactly. Yeah, we honor you. Like I think it was a language that he uh, said, we try to instill in our people a sense of elevated honor, the way that we're gonna treat the other people. That's a great way of putting it. And, and it started with Truett back then, and, and Truett was my favorite all-time businessman. You know, he had great personality, but at the end of the day, he had the best heart of any business person I've ever dealt with. And I've tried to carry that on to where our mission is to be the most charitable bowl organization in the country. There's 44 bowl organizations, and we've given $60 million back in charity, uh, donations, scholarships, et cetera, since, 19, since 2002, which puts us by far the number one bowl organization in the country in charitable contributions. How, what percentage of the profits of the bowl go back into charity? Well, we, we gave uh, $5.2 million this year in, in charity, just this year. Uh, we committed $20 million uh, three years ago to children's health care to find a way to eradicate childhood cancer. There's only 4% of the uh, NIH, the National Institute of Health, budget that goes against childhood cancer. 
And so we've met with the children's health care uh, doctors. We now have seven trials with uh, 12 kids in them uh, that are, you know, from neuro, neuroblastoma to uh, uh, leukemia to ALL, et cetera, uh, trying to find a way to uh, help kids live longer and, and better lives and, and just to live. Uh, we had our vice president of sales, uh, Benji Hollis' daughter, who was six years old, found out in April uh, three years ago that, um, you know, she had uh, leukemia, went through six months of chemo and radiation, went to, was getting ready to have the um, bone marrow transplant, and she, her little heart gave out, and she passed away. And so, um, you know, we, we just, we're committed. Uh, we've raised an additional $4 million beyond that $20 million each year uh, we've raised some more money to go along with that, and, and we just hope that at some point we can find a way to take one of these cancers and, and beat it some way for these little kids. So, uh, yeah, it's it, like I tell my staff and our board, this is not about putting on college football games. This is about using college football to help people live better lives and give back to our communities. And, you know, if we all had that feeling nowadays – I think this society and our country and our culture, like you mentioned earlier, like Dan said, elevating, honoring people would be a lot better off. Well, Bob Hope's also here with us. He's the CEO of Hope, Hope Beckham. Bob, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you guys are working on a project together around, around uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and some of these charities. What can you tell me about well, that? Well, I tell you, well, uh, this is Gary's idea, but it's also a reflection of his personal benevolence. It's, um, you know, what happens, and you see it certainly with Chick-fil-A, that uh, when you do research on Chick-fil-A, uh, people don't always say the first thing they think of is it's good chicken. What they do is they think of it's a benevolent company that does good things. Well, uh, that comes from the heart of leadership, and I'll have to say that nobody has a bigger heart than, than Gary Stoken does. And uh, I have a very personal interest in a, an issue in that my grandson, Nate, has Down syndrome. He's eight years old. And uh, before Nate came along, uh, Down syndrome to me was like a, a lifetime imprisonment. If you had a child with Down syndrome, you know, what are you going to do? It just doesn't go away, and it just seemed like such a burden. Uh, well, you know, Nate has enlightened me. I mean, I'll have to say that I can't imagine life without Nate. He's you know, Nate's eight years old. Well, if he were born 20 years ago, he couldn't read. I mean, because 20 years ago, they'd tell you you can't read. Well, Nate, uh, we couldn't send him to, uh, we were planning on him going to summer school because it would be like camp, get him out of the house during the day. And he didn't qualify because uh, you had to be in the lower 50 percentile of readers your age. But Nate was in the top 30 percentile. He loves to read. So, uh, you know, Gary and I, uh, we're, I guess, discussing Nate and all, and Gary came up with this great idea of the, of, for the... Uh, well, let me break in there. Let me call TV time out here. This is Bob's doing. Bob, you know, he talks about heart. Bob loves Nate so much. He said, I've got to do something. And Bob's got unbelievable connections in sports. And so he came to me, and we met with Rhonda Rice and the, and the National Down Syndrome Consortium. And Bob had this idea, hey, during the... Chick-fil-A kickoff games, what if we put together a, a, a big dinner? And so we worked together to uh, get the College Football Hall of Fame to agree to host. And um, so Thursday night of the kickoff weekend before our game on Saturday, we're going to host Clemson and Oregon and Georgia Tech and uh, um, who did I miss? 
Clemson, Georgia Tech, Oregon, and Georgia. There you go. That's right. Uh, yeah, don't miss Georgia. Yeah, miss State. yeah. <laughs> They're pretty important right now being defending national champs. And we have Georgia, Oregon playing in our Chick-fil-A kickoff game Saturday and then Clemson, Georgia Tech on Monday. So we're going to invite the presidents, the coaches, the ADs, and uh, to come to this dinner and raise some money on Thursday night. And uh, we have just, uh, the Peach Bowl board has agreed to be the presenting sponsor and, and uh, pay the $50,000 as, as a donation uh, to this great cause, thanks to Bob uh, and, and him creating this event. So uh, he's, he's like the puppet uh, master behind the I scenes. Wish. He's <laughs> always making things happen. And so don't let him be too humble here. He, uh, he's the reason we're doing this thing on Thursday night hey, for the National Down Center. I appreciate uh, Gary, and the reality of it is this just takes, you know, not just the uh, the need relative to the money it raises, but also the uh, you know just the the image. You know, it gives you a platform to say so many things about what these young people can do. Uh, because I think for so long, I know before Nate was born, I was always nervous to be around someone with Down syndrome. Well, now you know I sort of gravitate towards them because you just realize the potential of what they really can do with their lives and. Uh, we're thankful that the the big game ball is part of the uh, you know the kickoff weekend. It's really going to be a lot of fun. That's the title, the big game ball. Big game ball. That's it. <laughs> How do people get involved if they want to if they want to come to the big game ball? Well, I think you, uh, the easiest way is just to look up National Down Syndrome Congress online. Their their website and it has all the information about the big game ball and it's going to be you know it, it it's going to tell a story, but it's going to be a really fun event with a, a lot of college football involvement and uh, a lot of great companies there that have done wonderful things. Well, and to add to uh, what Bob was saying about Nate, you know, upstairs right now we're, we have a, a meeting, you know, we meet uh, once a month leading up to this, and uh, David, who is from Clemson, uh, ESPN did a great show on David. He's a manager at Clemson for Dabo Sweeney, and uh, Dabo likes to tell you that he sometimes thinks he's the head coach at Clemson when they win. And uh, he's upstairs and just carrying the room up there with just, as, as Bob said, the personality and just it, it exudes out of these kids. And their little girl, Martha, came in with Down syndrome. She came in a little bit late. And so I said, say hi to everybody because we have people on Zoom and in the, in the conference room up there. And she says, hi, dudes. How's everybody doing? You know, just a great personality and, you know, makes you smile. And, and you want to you help? You know, you want to get back. So, uh, yeah, Bob had a great idea, put put the people together, and we're off and running here. So we're going to have a great event on Thursday night. Will this be the first annual? I, you know, we, it's the first, and we're hoping it's annual. That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're hoping to keep this thing going. And it's going to be held inside of the College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, we'll be in the College Football Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is a great venue for events. Nice big screen there, and, uh, you know, people get – you know, the opportunity to walk around. And it's around, as Bob said, uh, so strategically around the kickoff weekend. So everybody's excited about college football. And uh, so people will be able to get a tour if they come to the event, be able to get a tour of the College Football Hall of Fame, then go right downstairs on the floor and we'll have the uh, the dinner. So it'll be a great evening. I ran into John Stevenson yesterday, who was really instrumental in getting you know the College Football Hall of Fame built and opened and you know off to the races. I thought we were going to meet 
at the College Football Hall of Fame. I told him I was going to be there. I'd never been there. And, oh, you need uh, to and go. Then, and then when I walked in today, I sent him a picture of the lobby. I said, uh, not at the Hall of Fame, at the Hall of Fame offices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is close. This is close. Yeah. But I need to go at some point because I do. hear it's, it's spectacular. Well, let us know. We'll get you tickets. It's, it's a great experience. You know, when we built it, um, you know, we wanted to create, I, I created a word, edutainzeum, which isn't a word, but I told our, our developers and our uh, construction people, I said, you know, it's got to be educational, it's got to be entertaining, and then a museum. If we build a museum, we failed, because nowadays it's got to be interactive. And so it's a highly interactive, uh, for young people particularly, but it has the history that the old people like us like to see with the cleats and the you know, all the, the memorabilia and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's a unique experience, but you got to go if you're a college football fan. I'm going to also, uh, and Gary's going to deny this and try to be humble, but uh, we were involved in an effort in Atlanta to get the NASCAR Hall of Fame here, and the city was working hard on it, and Gary came, you know, went to South Bend, Indiana and saw the opportunity to move the College Football Hall of Fame here. So we'd sit in the meeting and said, look, we're in college football territory. Let's get the College Football Hall of Fame here. Well, the NASCAR Hall of Fame ended up going to Charlotte and hasn't done so well, but the Football Hall of Fame is here and just thriving. And, uh, well, you got a good memory. That goes back a ways. Well, you know what? I've been around a long time. So. <laughs> well, that's a, very exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to being a part of that. I want to find out more information. I want to, uh, you know, be a part oh, of the big come. game. Yeah. Boy, yeah, definitely. We'll get you information. Well, you know, we um, we don't have any more time, but really appreciate you guys joining us. Thanks for telling us about uh, what's going on with the Peach Bowl and the big game ball, and um, you know, all the best of luck in this first year. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate thanks it very guys. much. Welcome back to the Black Hall Podcast. We now have Tony and Maria Barnhart, Mr. and Mrs. College Football. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you. How'd you get the nickname Mr. and Mrs. College Football? Well, it started uh, when I was working for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They came to me and offered me to, they wanted me to do a blog, and they wanted to call it Mr. College Football. And I said, well, that's kind of cheesy, isn't it? And, I, and they said, yeah, but cheesy works on the internet. So over time, I became Mr. College Football and hit my sidekick here is with me a lot, and she became Mrs. College Football. That's right. And, and now you guys are working on uh, the big game ball. That's right. We heard from Bob Hope, founder of a public relations firm, that the National Down Syndrome Congress was recognizing four schools for their special programs related to post-secondary education for individuals with Down Syndrome and other intellectual disabilities. Well, this tied in with my own personal background because my younger brother had Down syndrome. He was born in 1955, and of course, during that time, there were not too many options. So I'm really ready to shout it from the rooftop, opportunities for post-secondary education. And with Tony's football, Mr. College football, it was a great fit. Bob was actually here earlier, and we talked to him, and he said you guys were going to be the co-chairs of this event. We are. We are the co-chairs of this event. We're also going to be the uh, co-MCs co uh, when, the, when the event comes around. We're excited about that. And, it, and the thing about it is, is, is this ties into the start of college football season. We are going to have fun with this event. Uh, it's on September 1st to Thursday. There are two football games in Atlanta, one on Saturday. Uh, between Georgia and Oregon, and one on Monday between Georgia Tech and Clemson. So, hey, 
we're going to start football season. We're going to raise money for a great cause. What? It doesn't get any better than that. Well, if you're going to start with fun, what else do you want to accomplish besides just fun? I would say, Maria, wouldn't we, wouldn't we say that aside from raising the funds to help these post-secondary educational programs, it's awareness. We want people to be aware that these programs exist. Absolutely. It is so vital because like I mentioned before, when my younger brother was born in 1955, uh, doctors would recommend that students be institutionalized. What we want to bring attention to parents and communities is to save money for sending their students to higher learning education programs instead of being institutionalized. So awareness is key for a number of organizations and universities that provide post-secondary education. I've had a number of uh, friends who had family members who had Down syndrome. And one of the things that, that, that the theme that I hear over and over is that the family member with Down syndrome is really like the family priest almost like they they're like a spiritual guide living in your house you don't even you don't realize like how connected they are to the universe in a different way oftentimes than the rest of us, but their insight is very powerful. Did you experience that? Absolutely. There's so much authenticity to an individual. There is no uh, pretense. David, my younger brother, was real. I mean, if he was unhappy, you knew about it. But most of the time, I'll have to say, he was happy. He enjoyed life. And I can tell we went on vacation together. When he was in a group home, he went whitewater rafting. He was a Boy Scout. I mean, it's a, it, it's a wonderful opportunity to bring attention to post-secondary education. These students have so, so much excitement. It rubs off on you. It really does. You, you get caught up in their enthusiasm because they think life is great. And it, life is great, but you can see it through their eyes, and that's really cool. So this is focused on post-secondary education for Down syndrome. Right, for Down syndrome individuals and others with intellectual disabilities. And the four schools that are playing in this kickoff classic are those that are being recognized and honored. There are many organizations and universities that provide that, but these particular universities are being recognized and they're playing in the kickoff classic. So those guys, what is it, Oregon? Georgia. Oregon, yeah, Oregon plays Georgia on September. These games are at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, September 3rd, Saturday, Oregon and Georgia. Uh, obviously, Georgia, the defending national champions. And then Monday night, Labor Day night, Clemson and Georgia Tech. And, and you're saying all four of these universities have really good programs for Down syndrome kids? Well, the three programs, Georgia, Clemson, and Georgia Tech have individuals for the students. Oregon has a graduate program for educators. That is the slight distinction, but they are recognized, they are recognized overall in the United States for their graduate program. What kind of programs are, are these guys offering? So the, Oregon obviously is teaching the, the teachers of Down exactly. syndrome kids, but it sounds like the other schools have programs for the kids themselves. Right. Um, it, I would give an example of Clemson Life. It is associated greatly with the athletic department. Give the example of, of where the coach At Clemson Life, they, they have a two-year program and a four-year program. The goal, of course, is to make these individuals as independent as possible. 
to shop, to go to work, to shop for their own clothes, to, to shop for their own food and do all these things. And let's take the example of Clemson. Dabo Sweeney, the head football coach at Clemson, is very committed to the Clemson Life program, and he backs it up. He has at least two members of his support staff are in, as employees are in the Clemson Life program. Uh, we, we met one uh, just today. So, uh, the, again, it's, it's all about giving these individuals the training they need to live as independently as possible. And that's what these programs are all about. And so the proceeds from the big game ball are going to f- flow back into the Clemson program? and Two things. They'll be going to the National Down Syndrome Congress organization, which is a 501c3 organization. It is an advocacy. It is an umbrella organization, and they work with local organizations all over the United States. But in addition to that, monies raised will go for scholarships for these four institutions. Oh, that's great. So how, how can people best be involved with the big game ball? I am so glad you asked that. We want to get the word out to individuals, families, communities about this program. Uh, they can buy a ticket to the event. And by the way, it's September 1st, if you missed that. Thursday, September 1st. And if you go to the National Down Syndrome Congress website, there is a link for the big game ball. Uh, You could be a sponsor, you could make a donation, or attend the event. Any way someone could help is a positive thing to make a huge difference. And ultimately, we're going to have fun. The the event itself is at the College Football Hall of Fame in downtown Atlanta. We want to draw the connection between the start of football season and uh, this event. And we just told somebody not too long ago, I said, look, Start a football season, raising money for a great cause. It doesn't get any better than that. And I'd heard that uh, some of the coaches and players might be at the event. Yeah, we are working right now. We've invited all of the four head coaches from the four schools to come. We've also invited the presidents of those universities to come. And it's our hope that they'll uh, be able to be there. We've reached out to some former players that we're working on. We hope to get them there. We, we want the schools to understand we are honoring them and what they have done in advancing this cause. And it'll be, uh, we want everybody to buy in. Are these, pro- are these programs at a lot of universities or was it, was it lucky that we got these four universities that had such deep ties into Down syndrome post-secondary education? Or? Well, the tie-in of course is the football games that are coming up for the kickoff classic. That's why these schools are being recognized. But there is a website called Think College and there is a listing of universities and programs that are available for special those with special needs, yes. So this was a little bit lucky that we got these four great teams that also have schools that are tied into Down syndrome. And then coming up with this idea, this is the first annual Big game ball, uh, and this is a. First of all, you you you've spoken to Gary Stoken. He is he is the, he ultimately was the was the person of, of he's the president and CEO of the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Ultimately, it was his idea to say, hey, uh, these schools have something in common. They have done extraordinary. All have done extraordinary work in this area of bringing awareness uh, to these kind of programs. So we've got four of them here in Atlanta. Let's put a banquet together and honor them all. And when you talk to Gary, he will tell you that this is something that needs to be sustained. This needs to be an annual event 
to raise awareness of these post-secondary educational programs. And that's what it's all about. What kind of jobs are you seeing people in Down syndrome go into? Well, there are a number of hospitality jobs. As a matter of fact, we were just notified that there is a company developing a hospitality program near Clemson Life, the program at Clemson University, and they will have a specialized program for individuals with Down syndrome that will go through that training program and they will have jobs in the hospitality industry. Down in Clemson, they are building a new hotel, and I believe Dabo Swinney, the head coach, is an investor, and they will put a premium and emphasis on hiring the people, uh, the graduates of the Clemson Life Program into jobs. I'd love to hear this. What else should I know about the big, uh, big game ball? It's going to be, like Tony said, it's going to be fun. There'll be dancing involved. There'll be a silent auction. There'll be food. There'll be recognition of the schools like we've mentioned. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a party at the end of, the end of it. That's what's cool. <laughs> Is it gonna, are we going to stay at the uh, College Football Hall of Fame or transition to an after party? Well, to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, really appreciate you guys being on the podcast. I'm excited about the big game ball. Thanks for all you're doing, and I um, appreciate your time. All right, you bet. Thank you. Welcome back to the Black Hall Podcast. Now joining us, we have Martha Haythorn. Martha, welcome to the podcast. Hi, everybody. It's so amazing, and I'm so honored to be doing this. Well, uh, Martha, you're a rising junior at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. And what, what are you studying there? So I just finished studying gender studies and international human rights. A- and you have Down syndrome. Yes, I do. Tell me about, so, you know, one of the things I was thinking about when I was thinking about questions to ask you, and and it's this, if the ratios in the world of people were reversed and the majority of people had Down syndrome, how do you think the world would be different? Wow. (laughs) So I think about this question a lot, and what I think about for people with Down syndrome is that if a lot more people had Down syndrome, it would be really inspirational on one hand, but also to make sure there's more understanding around the aspects of what it means to be living with Down syndrome, what it means to actually have that life, because it's not a different life, you know, I mean, it's like anybody other's life. So we have different capabilities, but it doesn't mean that we're not able to do things that are actually really the same things like everybody else does. Well, no, I think that's kind of the point is when I think of like my friends who have family members who have Down syndrome, they often comment, they think that people who have Down syndrome have special abilities that, that to perceive the world in ways that other people don't. And that's the question I'm really asking. Where, where are the ways that, what are the things that we can learn from um, the perspective of life from Down syndrome that you think could make the world a better place? I think that you can learn a lot about love Family, laughter, what it means to be a leader, what it means to want to be able to grow and to be able to see how the world can change and with this one burst of light and how the world can really make that big difference around the Down syndrome. Now, I know that you're an ambassador for the National Down Syndrome Conference. I am. What do you do in that role? 
Oh my gosh. So I helped fundraise um, with my dad, um, Trace Hathorn. We um, basically, we fundraise for the Soray of Stars, which is an, another gala event that we did. And um, I got to help fundraise and they put it on virtually, which was really cool. We got to hear the speeches about Down Syndrome. We got to hear sponsorships. And then you're also helping out with the big game ball. Yes, I am. I'll be announcing the award to the Excel program at Dota Tech, my program. Tell me about the Excel program. Okay, I cannot say enough about the Excel program. I love this program. They are one of the first programs in Georgia that actually became, that actually created this program for people with disabilities. And so um, one of the things that I love about the most is the staff. The staff there, they have been trained to know how to help each student with their needs and to make so that everyone gets put in a class that they're able to learn, they get modifications from. And then they're also able to do classes in the program. So they have career exploration, career success. They have... Uh, financial literacy, where they learn about money, which we all need to learn about, you know what I mean? That's kind of like the baseline today. And we also have, oh gosh, I could go on, to be honest. No, I could keep go going on. if you want. Yeah. How, many, how many people, how many, how many students are in the Excel program? So right now, in my cohort for this year, Virginia, there's three others in my grade. But um, overall, I would say about, oh gosh, <laughs> 20, I think. About so you think 20. there's 20 total and they're broken up into cohorts of three to five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's like freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and a lot of them have uh, a lot of young men with disabilities, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that as we are trying to get more young women, too, you know. Men can continue on coming, but also making sure other young women with disabilities can have the chance to also be able to come into Excel and to be able to feel that they have that leadership role, they have the quality of a student because they do. Everybody with a disability should qualify as a student even though they have different weaknesses. I think they could really benefit. The Excel program, is it only for Down syndrome? No, it's for other people with disabilities. So it's it's a variation. Yes. I happen to be one of the students with Down syndrome. There aren't many people with Down syndrome in the program. There were a few, but not that many. Do you have other friends who have Down syndrome? I do. What? How are those friendships different than your other friendships? Or So I guess how these friendships are different is that um, we kind of get to kind of just have fun together. And it's always so positive when we're together. Like we always find a reason to smile, to laugh, to make everybody feel good. Like you can just feel the energy and you're like, okay, this energy is contagious. You want to stay in it because it's just so lively. Well, that's what I'm experiencing right now from you. I mean, I think that's um, something that is special. There's a special connection to happiness. Oh yeah. Is that true? Do you feel like that, that people who have Down syndrome have a, maybe deeper connection to happiness more I mean, naturally? So I don't really like the label that people with Down syndrome are always happy because, you know, not. they feel like they're lessons, but I would say there is that really huge gift of happiness in a lot of people with Down syndrome that I have seen. I have met a lot of others who basically touched my heart completely, and I've always kind of always seen 
how much they love life and just want the same things. They want to have a job. They want to get married. They want to be in college. And, they t- and some people that I met haven't had the chance to go to college and deserve that chance. And a lot of people should have that right. And that's what the kind of work that I want to do for everybody with a disability and with Down syndrome to say that these guys have had these rights, so let's do something about it. What kind of career are you imagining? What are you, what are you hoping to do next? Well, how funny is this? Um, before, so my goal is to look up to Washington, D.C., to work for the OCUS for all of these really rights. But my first internship that I want to do at a, after I graduate, you're not going to believe this, the National Downtown Down Congress. I mean, hands down. I mean, they are one of a kind. They, they know what they're doing. They advocate for every single person with Down syndrome nationally. They make sure that we have a voice. They make sure that we get the things in life that we deserve. And they really person, really advocate to show how important this, this is. And so I would love to help with like the marketing, being able to be out in the media and advertising like this and public speaking and being able to help raise voices and to make sure people can have the same thing that I'm doing right now, you know? Well, so the, the you know the big game ball is tied together with the uh, Chick-fil-A peach bowl. That's the best. I, I mean, I love Chick-fil-A. Shout out to Chick-fil-A. Your food is like the best food in the whole world. What about the service? Um, the service is actually really good because they always know how to make the best food. Like they make, I uh, usually when I go, I always ask for the grilled chicken sandwich and a small fry and a lemonade and they never disappointed me because their fries are good, especially with the Chick-fil-A sauce. I mean, oh gosh, their sauce is so good. So then you tied into the football game. Do you play any sports? So I do swimming. I do swimming. I'm not really, I mean, I'm sure that football's a great sport, but I was, I'm kind of nervous about, being, about playing myself because, I've, because I'm short. I always have to feel that I'm going to be the one tackled and not really uh, know how to get, get out of it. So football makes you nervous. Do you like to watch it if other people were playing? I do because I actually love watching them actually like, do the tackling. I think it's kind of funny because like run into each other and not just down. Like oh yeah, get it down, get it down. <laughs> yeah, the 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 running full speed into people is not for everyone. Oh no, watch out, people. The big game ball. Tell me what else you're looking forward to at the big game ball. Uh- I'm really excited to hearing about all the other programs. You know, I'm excited to do Modern Excel in particular, but I'm also really excited to see how many people are going to be there. And I'm also excited about every single speaker that's going to be speaking about their program and the pride they have because, you know, they did it and now they're speaking for it. Like, how cool is that? It's very cool. You had mentioned your dad and how you and your dad worked together mm-hmm. on the. Um the, the the national Down syndrome program. Oh yeah. What um, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have an older brother who was in Washington D.C. What's he do there? He uh, works for campaigning services. He runs campaigning services. Yeah, he helps uh, work for them, and um, he. I mean, the fact that he's doing that is so cool. Now, is your dad in politics as well? So my dad is actually an executive director for Chaplaincy at ACPE. Um, he has done a lot of public speaking, like me, and a lot of chances to talk about chaplaincy. Chaplaincy? Mm-hmm. Is that the, so what is chaplaincy? 
Tapancy is a person who comes in and helps, like, be prayer for those who have different needs that don't really have the space to be able to have that prayer. So they're able to come in and to kind of play that role for other people nationally and in the community. Where do, so chaplains where? So like chaplains in the military, chaplains for sports teams? Is that what we're um, talking about? But I, I don't really know exactly this chaplaincy. This I mean, I wish I knew more. I really do. What do, you, what do you think are some of the most important things that people should know about Down syndrome? I think the most important thing to know about Down syndrome is that, you know, it's not a birth effect. It's not a disease. It's not a cord. You can't catch it. But, and they can't get over it or cure it, but it's something that you are born with, and it's something that you should really take for granted and not feel sorry for. I mean, you don't need to be sorry for who you are or your identity. I mean, you were born with this to kind of show that, yes, you have this as a chromosome, yes, you have different challenges, but it doesn't make you any less a person. I mean, we're all human for exact reason. So, I mean... Be human, be yourself, and don't be afraid to stand out. You can't blend in when you are born to stand out. And so being able to blend in and being born to stand out is like creating a statement right there. Like, that's the idea, is that we want to create a statement for everybody. So let us help you with that statement to make it more, you know, newsworthy. Martha, you have magical energy. I'm Thank really you. glad you've been on the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. This is a really, really, I'm just so honored and I hope that everyone out there knows that I am so honored to be speaking out for everybody else right now and the fact that I hope that when you all listen to this that you take away that there was no shame and that you just have from someone who is experiencing this like you and there's nothing wrong and just continue on doing what you're doing and Never, ever give up on what God has to offer you. Down syndrome is okay to be who you are. You are who you are. Nothing about us without us. We are more right than different. I've got one more question. You mentioned God, and this has come up when I've talked to friends of mine, again, who have family members of Down syndrome. Their thesis in their experience of their family member with Down syndrome is that they have a more natural connection to God than other people. Do you think that's true? I do. I mean, because like, I think that we kind of, we kind of know that even though we have Down syndrome, that we all want to believe in something everyone does and people with Down syndrome, like they need that belief because they need to feel that, that they can do anything. I mean, because they sometimes feel like they have to do a lot more extra work and God kind of helps make it easier. So even though we have this extra work, he's able to kind of help make it easier and make us feel like that we are, are connected to ourselves. And, you know, he's powerful. He's amazing. And he knows what he's doing. And he's not going to change anything about ourselves for us. He's just there. Martha, thank you for joining us. Thank you again so much. Huge honor, people. Huge honor. Welcome back to the Black Hall Podcast. Uh, now we have joining us Rhonda Rice, who's the engagement director for the National Congress on Down Syndrome. Rhonda, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So what do you do as the national engagement? I am the, na- I'm the engagement director for the National Down Syndrome Congress, which means I get the fun um, job of planning events, fundraising events, and um, 
everything that we do to engage with the community. And so you're, you, you've you been involved with the, the Peach Bowl, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Mm-hmm, yes. And we, the Big Game Ball. With the Big Game Ball, this was my, my dream years ago to bring to life. That's fantastic. What, what originally made you think about this? Um, I love sports, and I think that the sports arena is a great place um, to to bring people with Down syndrome and other intellectual disabilities, um, it is a great showcase to me for um, not just the individuals with Down syndrome, but the athletes. What have you learned from an education standpoint with people with Down syndrome, like about their abilities to grow through education? Um, That there are no limits. Um, We tend to limit people um, based on titles. And um, this, when when you spend time with people with intellectual disabilities, and see what happens when they attend post-secondary education programs, you realize that there are no limits. Where are the areas that you're seeing the most growth for jobs? Um, A lot of job opportunities happen in um, restaurant culinary, um, culinary skills. Um, Things that are repetitive um, tend to lend themselves to people with intellectual disability. Um, You know, we, like I said, culinary restaurants, um, car wash. I mean, there are lots and lots of places. Um, we have a gentleman who is sits on our board of directors um, who works in a law firm, and he does the, a lot of clerical work, mail, um, in the mail room, um, delivering things, because there's a lot of attention to detail, and um, we find that people with intellectual disability tend to pay very close attention to their work. Well, that makes... Uh oftentimes for an incredibly good employee. Yeah, we, we talk about the differences that people with um, Down syndrome make in an organization whenever they join. Um, like I said, very detail-oriented, so you never really have to worry about, whoops, that didn't happen the way it was supposed to. Um, just what they bring, there's a sense of um, pride in their job. You're never gonna worry about them being the one who's complaining. They're never going to be late. Um, for restaurant and, t- and, and those types of jobs, retail jobs, they're the people who say, Saturday morning, sure, I'll be there. And they're happy to be there. And they make a difference <laughs> in the lives of the people that they work with. Well, the spirit about, um, in general, people with Down syndrome, I mean, obviously they're a human and have a variation of, of emotional experience. But what you hear over and over from people that either work with people with Down syndrome or have family members with Down syndrome is that there's so much natural joy. There is. I mean, it's kind of a, um, we always say, don't sweat the small stuff. They live, don't sweat the small stuff. And so when you can remove all that chatter that the world tends to throw at us, um, it makes for, you know, the the type of person I think I would want to be. I mean, I want to be that person who, doesn't sweat the small stuff. And so that's what you get. It's great. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. With some of the, sec- the post-secondary education is focused on self-determination. What is self-determination in the context of Down syndrome? So, you know, starting with the post-secondary education, everybody has a right to an education, right? We live in a country where everyone has the right to an education. That education, though, leads to meaningful employment, And then ultimately, um, meaningful employment leads to independent living. And that's the self-determination. You know, so many of the the graduates of of the programs that we're honoring at the Big Game Ball, 
um, they they have these incredible high rates of employment. You know, when you look at the community as a whole, people with disability can attend school, you know, but, but there's a, a 96% um, unemployment rate, 86%, sorry, unemployment rate. So we educate, but then we don't employ. So a lot of times you'll hear <laughs> the saying, and as sad as it is, that people will graduate to their parents' couch. Mm. Um, programs like Clemson Life and Georgia Destination Dogs and Georgia Tech Excel um, are putting kids who graduate into employment. So, you know, when I look at those programs, those each one of those three programs have an employment rate of over 90% of their students who graduate. So they're doing, you know, they're, they're walking the walk, they're talking the talk. For those of us that don't know as much about Down syndrome, what percentage of adults with Down syndrome can live on their own, have their own apartment, or are they always going to live with family? No, and that's the thing. You know, the National Down Syndrome Congress, we started 50 years ago. So at that time, yes, people were told your, your child is going to live with you forever. Um, a lot of parents were told that their child would be a burden to their life. And, you know, that's just not the case. It's about setting expectations. And when the expectation is set, the bar is high. It might take a little different route than it does for some other people who go through college or, you know, but it's it's there. I wouldn't know how to guess at a percentage, um, but again, of, of educated individuals with intellectual disability, we're talking about 20%, you know, almost who are not employed and or 20% that are employed. Is it is 20% it, is that are are yes. employed, yes. right? So eight, 80 plus percent is there, are out of that have, have no employment. Right. So then what what are some of the skills that have to be taught in order for a person with down syndrome to be able to live on their own? Depends on what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, some programs teach life skills, you know, some of the post-secondary education and it's it's fun to listen to the program directors because they're all run a little differently. But um, many are, are part of their education is life skills, learning how to cook, learning how to do their own laundry, learning how to grocery shop, all of those things. Some programs um, out there um, educate in in classes that are on the, the they call it the catalog in a in a school. So they are not creating different programs for students. What they're doing is creating different majors. They're, they're finding what somebody is interested in doing and finding the classes that fit that to, to create a program that's unique to the individual. What are some of the things that you think um, get in the way of independence for people with Down syndrome? When people don't set the expectation high. Got it. So you think that it's, it's about setting a, a set of rules or standards or um, ideas mm-hmm. and that they'll be responsive. Right. It's about understanding, and we have a term that my family uses all the time, and it's about meeting people where they're at. Um, I was on a very interesting call one day, and it's kind of when you go, oh, yeah, that's it. Um, We were on a call, and of course, everybody was Zooming, and and somebody said, "Um, look at the screen, and how many people sitting on this screen are wearing glasses? Hmm, probably more than half of us. That's a support. It's exactly what we need to to now bring to people with disability. What do you need from society, from whomever, to be successful? 
if I didn't have my contacts in now, I couldn't see. Does that make me any less of a person? Nope. I still have the right and I still have the ability. Yeah, we, um, I, I, I've had buddies, we often talk about things like um, 10,000 years ago, if you had bad sight, you were probably going to die. Right, because how are you going to run from the animals? How are you going to? You, you, your experience didn't allow you to be able to overcome the odds, but then learning over time to uh, provide the tools has then allowed people of all sorts of disability, of you know one level or another, to integrate into society and have thriving lives. Right. I mean, you know, you look at college as a whole. Some of us graduate in four years. Some of us graduate in five years. Some of us graduate in, you know, who knows how many years. The geniuses take 10 years. That's right. But I mean, it's the, it's really, it's about meeting people where they are. And for somebody with Down syndrome, they might need a different path to get to the end result, but they'll get there. So you you guys have a national conference coming up next week in New Orleans, is that right? We do. We have our 50th annual um, NDSC convention. Um, It is known by our attendees as the greatest family reunion in the world. So after two years, we're finally back to the greatest family reunion in the world. We will be in New Orleans. it is truly where the Down syndrome world, world comes together. Um, within the convention, we run several conferences. So there's a general conference for families, mostly parents, grandparents. We have a siblings conference for those who are brothers and sisters, two brothers and sisters with Down syndrome. Um, that one's, I mean, it's great. It runs for fourth grade to 12th grade to really um, give individ, you know, give those siblings a chance to talk about what it means to be a sibling to, to someone with a disability. Then we have our youth and adults conference and there, and in that we, uh, between 350 and 400 individuals ages 15 and up who have Down syndrome all together in one room. And it is magical. Wait, how many did you say? 350 to 400. Wow. All in one place. All in one place. And it's great. There's talent shows and there's a lot of learning and workshops too, but you know it's it's just a great place to be. And then usually um, we also have an educators conference that runs in um, in conjunction with it. So that is taking our educators and educating them on how we um, embrace inclusive classrooms at all levels, whether it be kindergarten or post secondary. Um, and unfortunately, this year um, the DISMIG, which is the Down Syndrome Medical Interest Group, um, generally holds their annual conference um, in conjunction with ours, but they can't, they're all still kind of on travel bans and things. So they're doing mm. this a little differently this year. And is there a, a special theme this year or anything fun that makes it distinct? Well, we're celebrating 50 and we're in New Orleans. <laughs> so, <laughs> slushies for everyone. Slushies for everything. Everything's, we, we generally are blue and gold, but not next week. We are purple, green, and gold. <laughs> so... And people are coming from all over the world or? All over the world. Um, Usually on average, we have about 48 states. So so there are some who change here and there, but generally um, during that week, we will have 48 states and anywhere up to 20 different countries. So we have friends coming from Nigeria. Um, It's it's fun. 
So when you think of uh, fundraisers like the big game ball, what are some of the biggest needs, fundraising needs inside of Down syndrome? Like where does this money need to go to, to, to help these kids? And this is always a hard thing for us to quantify as an organization who is national. Um, we support a lot of affiliate, what we call affiliate organizations, and those are our people who are hands-on day in, day out with programs for, for individuals with Down syndrome. Um, a lot of our efforts are a bigger umbrella. We, um, we spend a lot of time advocating for um, rights, for employment, post-secondary education, housing. Um, so a lot of those things that you see, um, that the laws that are being made, you know, and the protections that are out there. As a matter of fact, at our convention, we will have the current OSEP director, which is in the Department of Education. Um, Valerie uh, was a, she was our vice president and had to give up that position so that she could take the position of a SEP director. So she'll be speaking at, at the um, convention. Um, it, it's really about now us helping to bring more awareness to more schools about the, the benefits uh, to, commu- you know, to the society, really, to the community of having this, these educational programs. What are some of the ways on the education side you think, um, you know, could continue to improve? I mean, obviously these post-secondary education programs are new. Are they 20 years old? Are they 50 years old, 10 They're years old? They're all different, and I don't, I wish I knew when the first one um, started. But I, what do you estimate? Do you think there are these, it's been going on 20 years or less than that? I would say 20 might be a stretch for that. Clemson Life is one of the oldest organ. You know, old, oldest programs, and I believe they were 2010 okay. when they started. So we're talking a little over a decade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where do you see it going from here? My hope is that every organization across the country at some point in time has a program for individuals with intellectual disability, mm-hmm. not just Down syndrome, but um, it should be the norm in every college. We have a college of communication. We have a college of, you know, dentistry. We have a co- We need a college of different education. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. It's great to hear about all the work you guys are doing. It's exciting to hear about the fundraisers. I hope you guys have a wonderful conference. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. This has been the Black Hall Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.